Hi neighbors, in Monday night's town board meeting, we heard an update from our economic development consultant, heard an update from our CAPS committee, passed a contract with superior maintenance for snow removal and ice control, interviewed community members to serve on the Silk, CAPS, OSAC, and PROSTAC committees, reviewed a financing plan for the Superior Town Center Metro Districts 1, 2, and 3, and authorized the issuance of the Series 2020 bonds, considered a proposed ordinance to restrict continuous parking on residential streets to 14 days or fewer, and decided to defer this to a post-COVID-19 time, provided feedback on an ordinance that would require at least 10% of all new residential development to be deed restricted as affordable housing units, and discussed the vacancy on the board left by trustee Sandy Hammerley's resignation. Ready to find out more on what happened? As usual, you may click through to my blog to read this post in written form, subscribe to the Laura for Superior podcast, or keep watching this video. This was our first meeting with six members of the board rather than seven, due to now former trustee Sandy Hammerley's resignation last week. During board reports, each member of the board expressed our thanks to trustee Hammerley for her service to the town. Next, we heard an update from our economic development consultant, Adam Hughes of Better City. During the presentation, we briefly talked about potentially renewing business incentives for downtown Superior and the Superior Marketplace. However, the details of this still need to be more fully hashed out with our town attorney. We also talked briefly about a new business, Crumble Cookies, which will be coming to the Superior Marketplace soon, timeframe TBD. Next, we heard an update from CAPS Committee Chair Debbie Yates, Vice Chair Terry Whitaker, and Cultural Arts and Events Supervisor Deanna Miller. The group shared how they have pivoted their plans for arts and events in 2020 due to COVID-19, providing details of the projects, as well as showing how that has adjusted the 2020 and 2021 budgets. I had some concerns that we currently have $31,000 allocated for events in 2021. My suggestion is that the committee focus on art that can be viewed at any time, like the fantastic prairie dog pop-ups around town, and avoid spending time and money planning in-person events. We had some discussion about communication between CAPS and the board, and my perspective was that I trust the CAPS committee. Their fantastic work this year is a testament to how capable they are, and I don't feel the need to approve individual projects. However, as I know that our town board agendas can be tight for updates, I suggested that the committee feel free to email our board at any time for more informal feedback on specific initiatives. Kudos to CAPS for their fantastic work thus far. Next, our board unanimously passed the approval of meeting minutes from the consent agenda. Item 3D, an agreement with superior maintenance for snow removal and ice control, was pulled for discussion. We received only one response to our request for bids, and Public Works and Utilities Director Alex Arinello said that we might get more bids in the future if we extend to a longer-term contract. This contract then passed unanimously. Next, item 4, advisory committee interviews. We currently have four vacancies on the Superior Youth Leadership Council, or SILC, due to high school graduations. We interviewed four candidates, Catherine Marcella, Benjamin Levy, Jared Paulson, and Amanda Copley, to potentially fill those spots. We unanimously voted all four onto the committee. Next, we interviewed Catherine McCormick to potentially fill one open seat on the CAPS committee, Gregory Patton, Miles Hoffman, and Kirsten Freisinger to potentially fill one open seat on the ACES committee, Kara Noisy for one of two vacancies on the OSAC committee, Hollis Richardson and Haley Goodstein for two of four vacancies on the ProStack committee, 
and Marsha Van Eden, Jennifer Kausch, and Tracy Bain for the vacancies on either the OSAC or PROSTAC committees. We will vote at our next meeting on these appointments. For item five, we reviewed a financing plan for the Superior Town Center Metro Districts numbers one, two, and three, and authorized the issuance of the series 2020 bonds. The service plans were approved by the board back in May 2013, but any issuance of debt requires approval from the town. They planned on issuing $34.8 million in bonds, structured as a drawdown facility, meaning interest doesn't actually accrue on the bond until the improvements are put in place and accepted by the Metro District. The bonds would have a 9% interest rate with a maturity in June 2060, so a 40-year bond. And this rate was verified by an independent financial advisor as reasonable given the type of bond. After some discussion of the progress made thus far to build resident amenities in downtown Superior, we voted unanimously to approve the financing plan. Next, we considered a proposed ordinance to restrict continuous parking on residential streets to 14 days or fewer, meaning cars parked longer than 14 days continuously could be ticketed or towed. At the beginning of the night, Mayor Pro Tem Mark Lasis and I suggested that we defer this item for at least six months or until the majority of the community is no longer staying home due to COVID-19. However, we decided to have some discussion anyway in order to allow public comment before deferring this to a later date. During public comment, resident Terry Clark pointed out that cars parked in cul-de-sac are particularly problematic. I agree that there are a lot of parking violations in cul-de-sac, with cars overhanging driveways or even blatantly parked directly over the sidewalk, presumably because residents think that a cul-de-sac sidewalk is not used to get anywhere. I urge the community to be more cognizant of keeping sidewalks clear, particularly as more residents are out walking around the neighborhood and using them. Our next item was considering an ordinance that would require at least 10% of all new residential development to be deed restricted as affordable housing units. These units would need to be comparable in size, design, and appearance to the free market units. While I recognize this is not a popular opinion, I'm a strong proponent of the free market economy, and it doesn't sit well with me that we would potentially require an arbitrary number of luxury homes to be designated as affordable housing, essentially allowing a very few people to win the housing lottery without solving the broader housing problem of low supply and high demand. We already have a lot of design guidelines and restrictions on housing developments. If we continue adding more restrictions on developers, we'll make it more difficult for them to build at all, which further limits the housing supply and exacerbates the housing problem. Instead, I would like us to do what our neighbors have done and find ways to encourage developers to create entire affordable housing communities, like Willoughby Corner in Lafayette. In 2016, Lafayette passed an ordinance to collect $1 per square foot on all development to help fund permanently affordable housing. Rather than requiring 10% of homes within a community to be deed restricted, I would much prefer to see us do something like create an affordable housing development fee to help fund permanently affordable housing. I knew that I was in the minority on the board of opposing the direction of the current proposal. With that in mind, I added that if we were to go forward with a version of this 10% deed restriction proposal, I would like to see this 10% designated as workforce housing, with a requirement for residents to work within a narrow radius of Superior, like, for example, five miles. Otherwise, I don't see a reason to designate these homes in luxury, luxury developments within Superior, 
Rather than choosing a location, such as the 76th Street parcels, for a larger affordable housing development that serves the broader community. Finally, as mentioned earlier, Trustee Sandy Hammerly resigned on August 31st, and we set an item on the agenda to discuss whether to fill this vacancy. I open the discussion by noting that I feel strongly we should follow our town code in appointing someone to fill the vacancy until the election. I'm concerned that we may have a split 3-3 vote on an issue between now and the election, and I'm also not pleased that we may punt on some important issues simply to avoid this scenario. At the same time, I'm cognizant of the burden it places on town staff to train someone new for such a short time period. Therefore, I suggested that we consider appointing a former town board member who already knows how to serve in this role and would not require training. However, while I had some support in this opinion, ultimately, the board decided to leave this position vacant. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this recap. I really hope it's helpful. Our board is always open to hearing your comments, questions, and concerns. You may always email your feedback to townboard at superiorcolorado.gov or to me specifically at lauras at superiorcolorado.gov. As a reminder, any messages sent to a government email are part of the public record and will have your name attached. If you feel the need to write in anonymously, you may always comment at the bottom of my blog post recaps. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend.